Ahoy there! Ahoy! Ahoy! I think you know the score by now. Um, Martin's very busy. Um, there's this really... Uh, long story short, new pair of gates, end of the drive. Um, they had some problems with the hinges. Now there's some problems with the undercoat, apparently. Uh, there's some fantastic rust-proof paint, I quote, I quote, which um, was supposed to be applied this week, but... Um, uh, well, I gather there has been yet another delivery hiccup. So Martin is is once again incapacitated. Is that the right word? He's not here anyway. Um, so I'm 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 basically going to introduce another show from the archive. Um, and I gather these have been going down quite well. I don't know why we bother recording new ones, frankly, because these these old ones seem to be doing better. Um, but uh, yes, so so um, cast your mind back now to the world as it was. Um, you know, towards the end of the noughties. I think that's when we recorded this. Um, and uh, yes, nothing more to say, but enjoy. Hello. 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 It's Time Ghost. You're listening to, to Martin Bain-Jones and me. And me, Craig Children. That's right. The, uh, the, the zeitgeist editor of the Times. Zeitgeist assistant in my case. That's right, yes. We're saying hello. Did you know where hello came from? Do tell. Do I'll tell. tell you all about it, because, uh, of course, it was customarily good manners to say good morning, or good evening, or good day, or, yes, good night, depending, oh. of course, on the time of day. Hello was really something one merely said just to remark. You say, hello, there's a bird over on that pile of dog shit. Don't know why. Hello, there's hello. a, I don't know, hello, there's, there's an old lady. On that pile, on that of, pile dog of dog shit. <laughs> You know, hello was was just a, a, a remark. When they uh, when they introduced the the telephone line in America, and uh, people could ring one another at varying times of day. Of course, there was a time difference. Excuse so me, they, they invented the telephone in America. Well, no, they didn't. But it was the first large landmass that spanned several time zones, and uh, so people. It was possible. Imagine this for someone to pick up a telephone and say good morning. Person at the other end say, "What are you talking about? It's afternoon. You fool." You darn fool. You darn fool. So that's how it came about. That's how it came about. They had to come up with a universal greeting that didn't incorporate the time of day. Hello. Anyway, so well, it's hello. It's particularly relevant it's in the case of podcasting, isn't oh, it, Martin? Because right, yeah. it could literally could be any hour of, could the, be. of the day or night, or night that you're listening to this. Anyway, I'm going to dive in here and I'm going to... I'm gonna I'm gonna burst a cultural bubble, a taboo. Oh, are we will. off? We're off, are we? We're off. That's we're me. Off. That's me creeping out of the traps. I'm gonna say this week, Chinese fairy tales baffle and scare me. Oh, they Martin, scare that's, me. That's heresy. Well, I know. I I wouldn't. I I don't like to say it, but I do. When I was little, and I once was. I remember we would all, there was a great fad for watching Monkey. Do you remember Monkey? Do you remember Monkey on the telly? Monkey. There was a piggy man. I do remember. It was, it was the, there was a pig, there was a monkey. And a monk. And a monk. I think there was a monk as well as a monkey. I always used to find that terrifying. It was so unworldly and, and downright weird. It's but interesting, it, isn't it? Because we're, we're supposed to admire the East, aren't we? Oh, of course. Yeah, mysticism. Yes, but I don't, I don't want to be mystified to the edge of reason. I don't want to be sort of driven to a blind-eyed panic and terror. But I, I sort of was. And interestingly... So often, it so often holds true that when you know what your what your young self thought, actually bears fruit in later life. For example, when we were little, we always used to think Roy Castle was a bit of a show off, and every time he came on the telly on record breakers, yeah. we'd all shout "Show off, show off" at the telly. Oh, poor dear Roy Castle, I'm, 
I, I felt perhaps that we we, we, we were traducing the man. But uh, no, no, he was a show-off. Anyway, I've, I've well, gone I, off. No, I, th- gone I, off. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, when I revisit um, many um, programmes in the children's oeuvre, I'm surprised and baffled by what I was once entertained by. I actually find uh, the true heart of darkness in Big Cook, Little Cook. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I can't bring myself to watch it. But the, the fact that two grown men... I mean, it's just all, it's awful. It, it's just a sort of terrifying wilderness, that programme. I mean, it's just... It's just awful. You feel like you're staring into the empty, desolate wastes of the human soul. And every time I just catch that look in Big Cook's eye, as to, ever so often you do, um, and you're aware of a man not so much sleepwalking through his own life as being sort of, I don't know, dragged behind some traction engine by nipple clamps. His progress through the programme is is so reluctant. I mean, it has to be said, Little Cook shoulders the responsibility extremely bravely. I mean, I've seen Little Cook just uh, force his way through all sorts of um, extremely dense undergrowth. Um, to to reach the end of the you know the the oasis that's the end of that program, but there's something there's something haunted in the eyes of Big Cook. So, Craig, what have you been up to? What I, what have I literally been up to? I've literally just been trying to put a plaster on my knee because, as you it? saw, I I grazed myself on some sort of uh, low lying object. Well, you, well, you don't know how, how you did it. It's just a, a random random injury. Random injury. But it got me to thinking, Martin, yes, as I was um, uh, daubing, uh, you know, a, a spittle-laden tissue on, on said injury. Oh, that's, um, a, that's a revolt at spittle. Anyway, on you well, go. This on is my go. entire point. Blood used to be such a wholesome thing, pre-AIDS. Uh, and, uh, and post-AIDS, it's an entirely different substance. I remember, you know, uh, you know take a chunk out of my knee when I was a... A, uh, a moist-eyed youngster, and uh, you know everyone gather round. Oh, look at that bit of blood! Oh, lovely! Now it's um, it's uh, it's the liquid of shame. We're frightened of our own blood, as if I might catch AIDS from myself. I haven't, I haven't got AIDS. I think you'd be um, unlikely to catch it from yourself, and in, in, in that instance, certainly. Yes, I think even if you did have AIDS, I think the risk of catching it from yourself would be would be minimal. That's also possibly true. I, I just think it's interesting how um, how the poetic meaning mm. of of something can change, given its changing political meaning. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, yeah. you're thinking of blood in terms yes. of the sort of oh yes, the humours, the blood, sanguine. The yes, 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 interesting. My sanguinosity has been. Um, you can you can make that word up if you like. Yes, yes, yes. Your sanguinosity has been reduced by it's been reduced. a couple of milliliters. That's right. Yes. I went to see uh, Damon Albarn's opera at the Royal Opera of House. Of course, yes. <clears throat> you, wang- you wangled a couple of freebies, didn't you? I yeah. certainly did, yes. Mm. And uh, Monkey, Journey to the West. Journey-, Journey to the West. No, what's it called? It's called that. Something like that. A Journey to the West. I can't remember. Oh, it was a, it was a staggering. It was a, it was a coup de théâtre. Really? It was a coup de théâtre. You had Elan and Eclat. No, did- Eclat, Eclat and Elan. And Elan. Had all of these things. It was beautiful. It did, was, it have oh, any, it was, did it have any Alban? Was he it, there? Alban, well, well, he was there. He came on and he, he took a bow at the end. He danced a little jig. Did he? Yes. I increasingly think of Damon Alban and Harry Enfield somehow being quite similar. But it was wonderful. It was beautiful. Beautiful. 
the the um, acrobatics of the of the the, the troupe was was breathtaking, breathtaking, and the sort of things one saw. I think that the finale involves, I should think, several hundred tiny plates being spun on sticks by people while they were doing various other things. I mean, I'm not describing it very, very it technically. absolutely deadly. And uh, during some of the action sequences, there was this sort of repetitive motif that reminded me of nothing so much as Alan Partridge shouting, Dan, 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 Dan. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah, but, but it was his stalker, I think, wasn't it? But I was, what I was going to bring, say is that I found the mythology utterly baffling and at the heart of it you have this little monkey who's a, who thinks he's a god. We're somehow... We, he's, our, he's our narrator, you know, he's, he's, he's the focus of the story. I think mm. that's a very interesting point, Martin. The, you know, you have the unappealing, the unattractive hero. You know, you're drawn into the story by this... This monkey goes on scratching his crotch, and I was, I was just baffled by the story. I couldn't understand it at all. But it was beautiful, beautifully told, beautiful music. Well, I, I, I must admit, after Ilana Clark. I must admit, um, I don't find the rest of um, Auburn's oeuvre um, massively transparent. I mean, what on earth is going on in that gorilla's thing that he does? I can't oh. figure that out at all. It's like a sort of mutant jungle book, as far as I can make out. But it's fascinating and brilliant, though. Brilliant oh, I know music, it's brilliant. But... Oh, don't get me wrong, I know it's brilliant. Oh, sorry, I thought you were getting close no, there all, to bursting the cultural taboo. It's all brilliant. No, I'm not bursting mm. a taboo. It's brilliant. It's clearly brilliant. I just find it of no interest whatsoever. Is that wrong? No. It's wow. absolutely I think we've, we've, brilliant. We've it's... done two cultural taboos for the price of one there. I'm going to move it on, I think, because uh, I'm going to take our um, cultural belts in another notch. OK, go on. Because um, I've oh. been reading um, this book. Let me find it. Here in my uh, your independent bookshop bag. Independent bookshop bag. What is it? What could it be? Oh, hello. Yes, support the men in, in, in filthy trousers on the Chang Cross Road. This book is called um, Life with My Sister Madonna by Christopher, I can only say, Ciccone? Ciccone. I think Ciccone. it is Ciccone, like, yeah. like, the, like, the, like the eatery. And the first point to mention is obviously quite sad that the title of the book's got to be Life with My... Not, not, not Life with Madonna... Life with my sister, Madonna, or frankly, no one would look twice, would yes, they? Really? Yes. Is it is it a good book? I tell you, what, it's not so much a book as a um, as a sort of uh, interior design memoir. Really, uh, he spends most of his time uh, redesigning uh, Madonna's various houses and uh, struggling to uh, to get payment for same. Um, Oh, is, this, is that a reflection of not the quality of the work he's doing? Or well, he is pretty much doing the same job each time, so it seems. He's got a particular... She keeps employing him, so she, she... He's clearly the best at what he does, yes. But he... Um... Is he very expensive? Is that the... Well, is it... Uh, is, was a hundred grand... I mean, just... I've got the pretty much details on every page exactly how much he made that day to the penny. So um, I can tell you that, for example, redecorating her, her new place... In LA, was about he got a down payment of fifteen grand, then a further thirty grand uh, for the completion of week two, um, a further uh, fifteen grand if the building went over, and a uh, another lump sum of about thirty grand. So I think we're looking what are we looking at about seventy five grand something like that. That's, right? a, that's a fascinating book, isn't it? So I see I see what your link is, an unlikable oh, narrator. Forty five thousand pounds. Here we go. Uh, Forty five thousand pounds for designing and decorating over three months. Now I think that's I don't think that's going it some, frankly, but unfortunately the the sort of um, the tragic flaw yes. of uh, Christopher Ciccone is that he also gives her a thirty percent markup, 
And uh, at one stage, after he's finished the job, Madonna takes a certain um, door fitting back to the, um, I don't know. To the door shop. To the, the door shop. The, the fitting door shop. And uh, discovers that there was a 30% markup. So he was ripping her off. He was ripping her right off. Yes, you know, I mean, well, I think it's the element of slow-moving tragedy in this book. That's that's what I find. Mm. Um, whether it's deserving or not, mm. um, it's it's like um, it's not like watching a car crash in slow motion as watching a car being assembled on an assembly line, which might one day have a crash. Yes, it's I think a- you can see pretty much where it's heading from the title, can't you? Life with my sister Madonna, who's related to me. We share parents. Yes. And uh, on every page, every page, essentially every chapter begins pretty much the same way. Madonna makes uh, literally about sort of $50 million and he states how much he made that week. So, for example, I can start to the penny. I'll start at random. Pick a page. Tell you what, I'll give you, you you give me the the, the book. So if I pick a page, I will find, I think think you will find. It's like a magic trick. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Pick a page. Here and, we go. And I'll find the bit where he compares how much Madonna made with how much he made. Okay, there we what go. Can, okay, there we are. There's so a page there. you've chosen at random, uh, page 310. You've picked at random, page 310. Uh, it's the beginning of chapter 13. At the end of 2002, the London Mail on Sunday names Madonna Britain's second highest, second, sorry, second highest earning woman and cites her income that year at 56 million. She now has also surpassed Aretha Franklin to become the female solo artist with the most 40 top singles in music history. I am nearing the end of working on Central, the restaurant that he's doing the interior design for, but so far have made little money from the project. I am forced to further pare down my already spartan existence by selling some of the small number of antiques. I don't think I can hear any more. I don't think I can hear any more because I want to read it myself. That's why. I don't want to, <laughs> don't want to ruin it. But interesting, 56 million you mentioned there. That's the figure that I'm sure is always mentioned. It's always 56 million. I'm sure Elton John earned 56 million. I seem to remember. It's always, that must be the magic figure. That's 56 million. Yeah. Interesting. How much do you want for your new album? 56 million. 56 million. Well, then, while we're on Madonna, what shall we segue yeah. from Madonna? See if you can guess where I'm going now. She's, she's, she's a soloist, uh, uh, you know, a bit of a, 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 a style icon, female solo singer. Right. Do I have to keep going? She's, she, has a, she had a large gay following, I suppose, didn't she, Madonna? Uh, she, uh, and the, but she also, a lot of young children liked Madonna, um, it's, it's actually simpler is it than Big I mean. Cook, Little Cook again. It's not actually Big Cook, Little Cook. No, I'm talking about the Green Goddess. No, not the Green Goddess. <laughs> she did the she did the, uh, she the, fit, the keep fit the fit thing. Keep fit I thing. Yes, I don't. I think I mean the Green Fairy. You're talking about Kylie Minogue. I'm talking about Little Kylie. Little Kylie, of course, uh, has been wowing them at the O2 Arena. A woman devoid of great charisma. Not not one of God's. Performers. Martin, it feels like you're pricking a taboo again. Uh, well, I am. I've got my needles out today. She, though, I'm, you know, a spectacle like you wouldn't believe. She has two communities that, that make up her audience. The uh, prepubescent girl community and the moustache gentleman community. She's very, very popular with, 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 with the gay gentlemen. And never the twain shall meet. You wouldn't sit them next, to, next door to one another at a dinner party. It might look slight, must look slightly odd in the queue for programmes. But what was so extraordinary, though, she had, I mean, no, she has to bolster the show to make up for the sort of the, the sort of char, the, the charisma bypass at its heart. 
by surrounding herself with the most fantastical show. You know, the, 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 the production is, is immense. You know, the, the design is, is, is incredible. You know, 30 fully hooded, gimp-masked men all sort of dancing with, I have to say, with energy that I've, I've never seen before. You see, you say 56 million is the, uh, is, for some reason, always the earning. For some reason, it's always 30 gimp-masked men, isn't it? Ten lords are leaping. Yes. 30 gimp... Well, good job, there are only 12 days in Christmas. But yes, there are these, you know, these um, platonic ideals out there, aren't there? Well, um, yes. If, yes. It shall be th- if it shall be gimp-faced, it shall be of the number 30. Well, there they were, giving it their all. Meanwhile, a lot of prepubescent girls on their father's shoulders... I should imagine pretty baffled, not a little scared, a bit like me at the monkey thing. Though, I would like to go from that end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum, to the great Tom Waits. Tom Waits is, Tom Waits is in the building, as they might say. Well, he's, not, he's in the British Isles. Well, he's not now, but he was. He has been here. He did two nights in Edinburgh. Came in 1987, came back three years ago, went to see him at the uh, Hammersmith Apollo. It, honestly, it, 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 it whipped Kylie uh, on her... Famed arse. Well, that, that I could enjoy. That I could enjoy watching. Uh, Tom Waits whipping Kylie on her, on her famed arse. Um, now that is a show. You know, stick, you, know, you wouldn't have to stick that in the O2. You can stick that on at Wembley. Tom Waits, though. Now there's a man around whom people flock like moths to a to a bright flickery flame. Essentially, just got one song, Tom Waits, that oh. he sort of. Uh, no. Basically does over and over again. <coughs> plinky plonky, plinky plong. Well, there is, you know, you're, not, you're not a million miles wrong there, far, far wide of the mark. I Where mean, is he... the attraction, Martin? Oh, well, the poetry of the man, the presence of the man. He's like a shaman. He's like a wizard. He's like a... I don't know what he reminded me of, actually. He reminded me He's of... He's like um... a very drunk man playing the piano, going... Oh. <laughs> He's, well, that is part of his boho hobo, boho hobo, bo ho boho hobo ho no bo ho hobo bo ho hobo bo ho hobo bo ho hobo. Stop crying, Martin. It's not. It's part. It's all part of his boho hobo. Cheer up, old fellow. Have a have a tissue. Come on. What are you talking about? What the one that's been. Gros soaked. Everyone you won't catch with... AIDS. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be the judge of that. Martin, I think that's that. We've more or less, um, you know, the uh, the 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 sands have run through our little um, program timer. Through our little isthmus. Yes. I, I bet they don't call it that. Well, they call it in the middle of a middle of a of a egg timer thing. Our egg timer. Constriction. Constriction. Bottleneck. A bottleneck. Yes, yeah. the sands have run through the bottleneck. Oh, there they go. There goes the last yes, few grains. Last so it just remains for us, that is me, Martin Bain Jones. And me, Craig Children. To, to bid you a, a fond farewell. Yeah. We shall be back, depend upon it. Time Ghost was written and created by Alexander Armstrong and Ben Miller. This episode was originally released by The Times in 2008, and it was produced by John Davenport and edited by Ed Ryland. Time Ghost is a hat-trick podcast.